Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 2, entitled Caballo Sin Nombre. Sorry for butchering that. I don't speak Spanish. Um, that means head after <laughs> birth. Uh, close. It actually means horse with no name. Shit. Uh, which Shit. is the opening song. I knew I should have paid more attention in Spanish class. Yeah, you should have. I caramba. Uh, <laughs> anything you want. To, I think you just watched Red and Stimpy to get that one. Uh, no, that was Simpsons. Oh, you're right. It was. It was. You weren't allowed to watch Simpsons, weren't you? I wasn't. I spot, no. spotted the cult kid. <laughs> spotted the cult kid. Uh, do you have anything to talk about before we get into the recap? Uh, not particularly, no. Okay. So we open up with uh, time-lapse shots of the desert. Some some really stunning imagery there from the New Mexico desert. And Walt's driving down the road. He gets pulled over by this cop who spots his broken windshield. He starts to give him a ticket, and Walt's trying to explain, oh, I, you know, this is from the Wayfair 515 crash, and the cop doesn't care, gives him a ticket, and Walt gets angry, gets out, starts yelling, gets pepper sprayed. <laughs> his pepper sprayed face. Is my, <laughs> it, like, I guess uh, Brian Cranston's injured face mm-hmm. anytime he gets like punched in the face or whatever just that i don't know i don't know what we'd call it is does he, he looks like a greek tragedy mask he really does and it's not <laughs> just like the expression on his face it's what they do to his face uh, like he's just leaking from everywhere yes, he's yes i can't he's got things on his face that i've never seen before <laughs> yeah yeah no it it was i thought it was i mean it's hilarious. Oh yeah, and also yeah. thematically, it's really great to see him. Uh, a yet another person call him on kind of his bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. You think you have reasons that people should overlook your actions, but mm-hmm. seriously, this safe is not. This car is not safe to drive. Yeah, and he just can't handle it, man. He can't handle it. Yep, indeed. And when you know someone is actually in a position to call him on it and do something about it. That's what happens. Yeah. If only Skyler had pepper spray. Yeah. This uh, this this thing would be over early in season three. <laughs> His kryptonite. Uh, and just the stuff he's spouting here, like, hellfire rain down on my house where my yeah. children sleep. Yeah, yeah. There were body parts in my yard. Yeah. I just love it. And, like, the fact that, like, do you not believe me? You know, uh-huh. it's like, no, it's like, that's the thing. Like, I kind of thought that's. The cop wasn't the first time I watching remember watching this. I remember thinking the cop was kind of a dick, mm-hmm. but then you find out that this has been weeks, almost a solid month after the. It's like no, get your windshield fixed, dude. Yeah, I, I get it. He has more pressing concerns, but not safe. Yeah. So then Hank has uh, pulled the file on this burned up truck because he thinks something is suspicious about it. And he's briefing his department on it. And Gomi says that the blue meth hasn't resurfaced yet. Kind of rubbing it in Hank's face. 29 days. Yeah. And Hank gets a call from Walt, who we know is later on at the, the jail. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to say about this scene? Uh, No. Hank is really a funny guy. He's doing uh, his job. He is. You know. Uh, then we go to Jesse, who pulls upside, uh, up outside of his house and finds it being worked on. Or I guess his former house at this point. His parents are fixing it up. Uh, his father's there. They talk a little bit about the house and, you know, his mom say hi to her for me and all that stuff. And his dad won't let him inside the house. So Jesse's kind of feels a little spurned by that. So, uh, and it, you notice that the, the beginning, he's got his 45 days clean medallion, too. So that I, gives you another indication for how much time has elapsed since the plane mm-hmm. crash. 
Yeah, and also, you know, his how he's doing. Yeah. It's it's if it wasn't indicated by how good he looks now at this mm-hmm. point, I I think and his dad commenting on that, it's definitely there in the medallion. This is probably the most adult he's looked in the series. I think so. It's interesting because, like, you know, having seen seasons four and five, not a huge spoiler here, but he shaves his head and he looks completely different. With yeah, have hair. you seen the cover art for our podcast? Exactly. Then, then there's your <laughs> season four spoiler. Uh-huh. So it's it's just weird for me to see him with that much hair. Uh, I thought it was also interesting because you know we we learned this from talking to our buddy Alex from Fail Scouts, you know, the location scout for this season and on out for Breaking Bad's history, mm-hmm. that, that that this was an actual problem. He uh, mentions that I see you move the garage. Yeah. And his dad's like, oh, yeah, it was a pain in the ass because the owners of this property, you know, it used to be the garage was set way back and you could pull the RV in and they had all those, you know, mm-hmm. so much action in the driveway they literally moved the garage to the front there, so it's almost <laughs> like a solid wall. You've got this walled courtyard type of deal. And when they got there, for C- and, and it was being remodeled, and when they got there, they're like, son of a bitch. So they actually had to just kind of incorporate all that into the script, which it's interesting. You feel a little adversity, and they came up with this really cool storyline of Jesse essentially stealing or, or getting a steep discount from his parents on this house. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I would call it stealing. I, I thought mean, it's, it's pretty cool. It is a steal. Um, and you also see, like, you know, this plane crash is front and center. Everybody's wearing ribbons. Yeah. Like, you know, happens after every tragedy. Mm-hmm. You start wearing ribbons because, you know, you want to support it. And then you also don't want to be the only one not wearing it. And Well, it's interesting, the people who are and aren't wearing it. Yeah. Walt's not wearing it. Jesse's not wearing it. It seems like everyone else in this episode is. Yeah. From his dad all the way to Saul to Skyler. Why do you think? So I... I I feel like I understand why Jesse's not wearing one mm-hmm. because he's the bad guy and he's accepted his role in this. Why is Walt not wearing one? It's a good question. Um, That's the one step of hypocrisy too far for may- him? Maybe so. Yeah, maybe he doesn't feel comfortable uh, grieving for these people when he's the one who caused it. And and granted, he is trying to justify, oh, I didn't cause this thing. Sure. It's the government. But he, but he still kind of knows it, right? That's yeah. why he picks up the eye. That's why the eye is still present in his life. Sure. Um, anyway, Hank goes into the, the police department to get Walt out of trouble. And Walt is forced to apologize to this officer who pepper sprayed him. And, and then was that you can see on, on, on Walt's face, like as he's hearing Hank plead his case, which hinges on essentially feeling sorry and pity for him in his situation. Yeah. That mm-hmm. it's like, it, it's, it's sticking in his craw, but he, yeah, he still doesn't think he did anything wrong. And, and just the fact like, Oh God, he's telling me about the divorce and all this stuff. <laughs> and like, Oh Christ. So, uh, but then Walt sucks it up and manages to apologize. Yeah. See, does, if he doesn't there, he's in a lot more trouble than he needs to be. Sure. Sure. I don't know how much trouble because, you know, I don't think he actually assaulted the officer. Certainly not. Uh, it seems to me like he was just irate. The officer felt threatened. He might have done a couple decided. days and gotten, I don't know. I, I, who knows? It just depends on the jurisdiction and how big of a dick the cop wants to be about yeah. whether that becomes assaulting an officer or not. Because uh-huh. that's, you know, felony. Sure. <laughs> Any state in the union. So. Sure. Verbally assaulting officers. <laughs> uh, then they go outside and Walt tells Hank that Skyler's divorcing him and that she doesn't want him seeing the kids. And, like, speaking of things on Walt's face, Walt still has this stream of snot, this dried, <laughs> crusty snot running down his mustache. Man, 
they're having this serious conversation, and all I can see is Brian Cranston's face with his red eyes. Mm-hmm. It's just hilarious. And there are like, this episode in particular stands out to me as torturing Brian Cranston. Mm. Like, I mean, later on, when he's in his apartment and he's face down on the floor, <laughs> he's in his tidy white, he's got half a bag of popcorn stuck to his face, <laughs> yes. and he stands up and he hits his head on the table. Yeah. yeah. I, they just love to torture this guy. And well, you can tell that Brian Cranston himself loves it. He's really good at physical comedy. He is. He's really good at physical comedy. Uh, so I applaud it. Yeah. And, you know, knowing that this becomes increasingly grim and we get less and less of consequence-free physical humor. Uh-huh. Uh, in, in, in future <laughs> seasons, there'll be fights to the death and all that stuff where you kind of get some grim ha-has. But, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I enjoy. I enjoy because these are fleeting moments. Yeah, I, and I especially like them, those moments when they're paired with this very serious, dramatic stuff that's going on in his life. Right. Uh, so Walt's at the laundromat when Saul shows up, and he tries to cheer Walt up by kind of laying out the case for why she can't say anything, why Skyler can't go to the cops. Yeah. Uh, Walt doesn't really care about that. He cares about losing his family. And then Saul tells him that he's got to get back to cooking, but Walt says, I don't, I don't want to be the bad guy. Isn't this funny that this is essentially a just a cruder form of the speech he gave at school? Like, look on the bright side, hmm. and okay. you got to move on and keep cooking and yeah. find purpose. And that's essentially what he told a horrified gymnasium full of teenagers. Uh-huh. And, you know, getting back from Saul, not not really the tonic he needs at this point. Sure. Uh, is it just me, or does Saul look a little disheveled here, too? Like his hair is out of place. Is I mean, he's he's you know he's got his suits and stuff, but he, he's looking a little ragged here. And I feel like maybe that's supposed to tell us that he's working a lot of these Wayfarer cases. Ah, yeah. I was going because I noticed the same thing, and I was going from the angle of I wonder if um you know that that Walt had become his anchor client. Hmm, and with okay. him being 45, 50 plus days without really generating any new revenue and Jesse's he's money's burning sweat. a hole in a safe that he's like, oh, I need to, you know, I, I need. <laughs> but yeah, why would he go to seed in 60 days from a personal appearance? I think you're 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 right. He's probably running himself ragged trying to bring I, as much. He's an opportunist, right? Yeah. Like yeah. what I know of Saul tells me that he's probably out there hustling like, oh, you need to sue for this thing. Oh, oh yeah. A leg in your yard? Yeah, we can. This is the government's fault. They haven't updated these things for since the 60s. Right. Or, or we're going to sue the guy personally. He's sure. the one who crashed him. Sure. This guy's leg that, that is in your yard? That's emotional <laughs> no, damage. No, go, no, no. Go after his. No, you go. That's what Saul would do. He'd go out. He's, he's got insurance. He's got flight insurance. He left his leg on your lawn. You're not going to. He's dead. What's his problem? You're going to carry that to your grave. Yeah, you got to get some money for that. Yeah, you're the victim here. <laughs> you had three legs in your lawn? Oh, that's that's just too much. Yep. Uh, and then Saul kind of just walks out to his car and harumphs. Sure. Um, it's people it, with consciences. I, I like that this is kind of a similar shot, the the opening to this when Walt's at the laundromat, of him, like, fishing his cash out of the, mm-hmm. the dryer mm-hmm. when he was, quote-unquote, laundering money before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very similar shot from inside the dryer. Uh, anyway, Mike is watching his granddaughter play at the park when Saul calls him up and says, we may have a wife problem. <laughs> what were you thinking at this point as as far as Mike? Are you thinking, 
ooh, wife, are they going to eliminate her? Are they going to threaten her? What the thought had crossed my mind, yeah. Okay. But then he Mine also too. says, I need to get eyes on it. So I'm like, okay. And then yeah. it, it didn't last for very long. Now, having seen Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. which is actually a prequel. So fuck you if you say this to spoilers. Uh <laughs> I guess I must have under or overestimated or underestimated how old Kaylee was, his granddaughter, in this season because she probably could be ten or eleven. Hmm. Okay. I think my the reason I thought she was younger is well, I can't talk about it because of spoilers. But I start I'm starting to think that maybe like you roll this back seven years and maybe she is that girl as a plot like a big five or six year old. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so I'm I'm a little chagrined that I was so hard on the casting of the uh, of the little girl in uh, Better Call Saul. Well, sometimes your memory plays tricks on you. It you does. Know? It does indeed. Then we go over to Skyler trying to tell Junior that dinner is going to be late, but he just he's got his headphones on. He doesn't want to hear anything. He turns away from her. Do you see? He was listening to a PSP. PlayStation Portable. I didn't see that, no. And I'm like, oh, that's an anachronism. There's no way that was out in 2008, 2009, or whenever yeah. this is taking place. I, it is. Yeah. When, when would you say it was released? PSP 2002. That's when it was announced at E3. It came out in Japan ah. in 2003. It came out in the United States in uh, 2005. 2005 in the yeah. States? Yeah. That's a lot later than I would have guessed, obviously. Yeah, so the PUSP is, is reigning supreme. Huh, okay. Also, did you notice that his uh, the little money laundering operation is almost up to 14000 now? Yeah, did he use some of the money that came in to buy that PSP? <laughs> Probably. His dad doesn't want it. No. His dad's not going to uh, take it. No. It's charity. But mom's being a b- bitch, so <laughs> might as well get your PUSP. Indeed. Um, then we go to dinner with Hank and Marie, and everybody's eating burgers except for Marie, who's eating sushi. Hank has some funny dialogue there. She wants to trade cholesterol for mercury poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Junior throws a tantrum at the table, calls his mom a bitch, and walks off. And then Hank asks why she's keeping Walt. Because dad's eyes were all red, probably because he's been crying. (laughs) It's it's great. And Walt's not going to correct him. I could have used the scene of Hank, like, mugging, like, hey, you know, when Mm -hmm. he said that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of good Hank stuff in here. Oh, yes, there is. You know, um, he's... He's trying to be sensitive, but he wants to know what's going on. Uh, and then they, they head outside, and Hank tells Marie that he's sure Walt cheated on Skylar, and he lays out the whole case. And then Marie says it feels like something more. And also, man, when he, when Hank says, you know, I, I, I know it's none of my business, guy, but keeping Walt from his kids, I mean, and yeah. she's like, you're right, Hank, it's none of your business. Ice cold. She yep. is just on an island by herself here. I feel for her. <laughs> yeah, I really I, do. No kidding. No kidding. She's eating shitty hamburgers and <laughs> has to stand up for a man she doesn't <laughs> like. Uh, Saul's on the phone and when Jesse walks into his office and he hands him his cash and he goes on about Walt quitting the business uh, right as things are getting good. And then he asks Jesse to talk to him, uh, to Walt for him. And instead, Jeff, Jesse offers him a job. Which we don't know what it is at the time, but offering we'll a, find a, out. A, a lawyer, I got a job for you. Mm-hmm. A, a job? I assumed it would be a criminal job. I did too. Surprisingly, not that criminal. No, there's nothing criminal about it. Where do you think? Tell. One thing I was thinking about as I was watching this episode is how did they make these decisions between plot lines to resolve immediately in an episode? <laughs> Like mm-hmm. they could have, they could have had this reveal of what Jesse was all about next episode. 
Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of other things like, you know, the I, the cousins obviously is a little bit of a cliffhanger. That's 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 a wise. But I wonder when they're deciding what to wrap up in a single episode and what to stretch into multi episode arcs. I wonder how they make that determination. Like the stakes question. Whether like because I think also this was a more of a funny or I don't know, yeah. funny, but like darkly humorous reveal. Like you try to wrap that stuff up in a single episode. Yeah, I, I imagine. Hmm. Because I, I was listening to Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould talk about the process on the Insider podcast, which this is a Dean Norris one. I mm. really enjoy all the Dean Norris ones because he's a card. He is. Yeah. He's out of control. Um, they get a little bit shouty and everyone talking at once at times, but they're pretty entertaining. But they're talking about their process that like, you know, they, they get eight people in a room and they start brainstorming. And they spend like eight to 12 hours a day writing mm-hmm. six to seven days a week when they're in there. And which th- seems like, man, you you think you just ring that sponge out and there wouldn't be anything left. But I, I started thinking about, you know, how do they actually make the decisions about how to split the plots up and, and, and all those things? I imagine it has something to do with stakes. I mean, there's not a lot of stakes wrapped up in Jesse the, um, buying his parents' house. There's a lot of stakes wrapped up in whether or not Walt is going to get killed by these cousins. Right, right. Well, that's other, I, the other thing about the process I thought was interesting is that Vince came into the season one of Breaking Bad and, like, you know, I guess that the studios want you to write, like, a 10 to 15-page treatment of each each episode per season for them to go through and look huh. at before okay. they kind of green light it and you go on and he's like i'm doing this my own way fuck all this shit i'm <laughs> gonna do one and a half i'm gonna keep it loosey-goosey and do one and a half uh, pages per episode and just for my own you know i know what's going on <laughs> and by season three him and peter had gone back to like 12 to 15 page treatments because that actually works better when you hand it through the writers and you get better results and it's huh, actually okay. saves time i thought that was interesting how he tried to break the mold and then decided that the mold was actually there for a reason. <laughs> sure. Which happens. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I go back to the the idea that they teach you in film school. You got to know the rules before you can break them. Mm, true. Uh, but even when you break them, sometimes the rules sometimes, are there for a reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a process. It's not just corporate control. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Walt's walking outside by the, the pool at his apartments and he spots a Band-Aid in the water. So he stops, he, he gets the net out, and he fishes it out of the pool. Then he continues on to his apartment, and he gets to the doorstep, and he finds Junior waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Then he gets the he gets the net out, and he just scoops him up and dumps him over the fence. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right into the pool. <laughs> uh, I, one thing I forgot to talk about with the last episode is when Jesse walks into Saul's office, uh-huh. He I think he's on the phone with Mike, because he's talking about... You know, 24-7 coverage. How much is this going to cost me? Yeah. I think he's arranging the spying operation on the sure, White House. Sure, I think you're right. So you're I, talking about the I previous scene. There's... You said last episode, but you're talking about the previous scene. Yes, okay. yeah, with Jesse. Um, so I wonder, like, what their relationship is. You know, do they do they do this often? Do they haggle over the price? Is Saul oh. going to go, ah, that's, that's pretty high, I think. I don't think Saul ever hears a price and just says, yeah, yeah I'll pay that. Uh-huh. Whatever. Especially it's, for his suits. Everything's negotiable. <laughs> yes, everything is negotiable, especially the suits. $40 to tailor this purple suit. Come on, man. <laughs> Give what am 35. I, the Joker? <laughs> what do I look like? Just robbing banks for my, for my purple suit money. Uh, so the cousins walk into... The nursing home. Uh, did you want to talk about this Band-Aid at all? I know we talked about it I briefly. do, but I want to talk about it in the context of spoilers and foreshadowing. Okay. All right, cool. Then we'll do that after the, the recap. Uh, the cousins walk into a nursing home, and they meet with Hector. I thought at first this was going to be a Saul scene. 
mm. having seen so much of Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, all right, here we go. He's gonna, there's gonna really be really laid the the, the groundwork for the nursing home capers early. They d- yeah, yeah, I was wondering about that. Mm. Anyways, but the cousins come in, they talked with Hector, and I was at this point, I'm thinking, how did two men who don't talk communicate with a man who can't talk? Mm-hmm. And they bust out the Ouija board. That makes sense. You know, sure. a bunch of old people in nursing home, they want to talk to their old friends. This constant dinging, though, <laughs> in the common area just has to get really annoying. They're all dead. They're, they're all, you know, <laughs> hard of hard hearing. Of hearing anyway, so yeah. they, just, they just keep turning their, their hearing aids down until it goes away. And I like that, I, I don't know what it's called, the plunger or something, whatever the rod is that actually rings yeah, yeah, the bell, yeah. is bent. Yeah, from Implying over, that he's over dinging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fervently and so many times <laughs> that... I also thought it was funny that uh, in the closed captioning, as soon as uh, Hector sees the cousins, he it's, it says heavy panting because <laughs> he's like hyperventilating from rage. Yeah. He's been waiting, wait, you know, can you imagine this guy has been living with Tuco out in his desert shack, mm-hmm. which, you know, whatever. He gets to see his stories and now he's cooped up in his goddamn nursing home. Yeah. Can you even imagine what that's like for this guy? This guy's this big di- swinging dick at the cartel and now he's around all these middle-class old white people. Yeah. No wonder it's, his plunger's bent. Not a, not a great fate for him. Mm-mm. Uh, That's why he's pissed at Walt. Then we go over no to... No more high-class burritos with his stories. Yeah, yeah, the it's cooking. Ap- it's applesauce, medication, and <laughs> bullshit small talk, yeah. Yep. So we go to Ted's office, and Skyler's in there uh, doing the books, and Ted stops in to see the, the baby Holly. And she tells him that she can't sign off on these books because they're too obvious, too mm-hmm. blatant. Uh, and it needs to be more subtle. And then she asks him, uh, as he's on his way out, what he'd do if the kids found out about what he's doing. Which is a real dick question to ask somebody, I think. Like, that's like, I, I, it's like, okay, yeah. okay, fine. I won't cook my books anymore. <laughs> Jesus. You don't have to bring my kids sure. into it. It's a serious guilt trip. But obviously, that's not why she's doing no. it, right? She's trying that's... to figure out what to do with her situation. Yeah, yeah. And it's... He he says that he'd, you know, tell them that he did it for them, which we know is Walt's excuse, which that's got to be just kind of a jab. Uh, Skyler's got to feel jabbed, right? Like, yeah, like, God damn, man, this is like maybe he's right. Maybe he is doing it for the family. Or maybe she's also saying like, OK, well, this is one thing if you're doing it for the family and it's just, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why this guy can't just be like every other small businessman that's having trouble making ends meet and just stop paying his taxes. Uh, why, you, <laughs> why you got to go? That's well, an option. We got to do that. <laughs> oh, we've been doing it, friend. Um, <laughs> we, I, you know, I, I just feel like that uh, cooking the books is is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Did you notice anything about Skylar's dress? Um, she has a low cut shirt. Low she's cut got blouse. the she's she's got the girls propped up front and center now. Yeah, that's they're no stranger to Ted. Well, I mean, they see Ted a lot, right? They 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 had, but I you know we talked about whether she was being overtly flirty or whether she enjoyed yeah. it. I I think that she was kind of innocently trying to make herself feel more sexual last season. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of think maybe she's hunting big game. Okay. She's, you know, she's on that. the middle of a divorce. Her and Walt have been on the outs for a while. Uh she's she's uh she's she's got a woman with a woman's needs. I think she's actually hmm. I don't know. Either maybe using her womanly wiles to make him a better person. I could see her being that type of person. 
Okay, get him to stop cooking the books. First, Start it's the distract her. distract you from cooking the, bo- the books with the boobs. Then mm-hmm. it's you know sad birthday hand jobs, and then it's <laughs> nagging over how you're spending your credit card money. Yeah, and then it's divorce. <laughs> it's just a cycle of Skyler. <laughs> this is your future, Ted. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I don't know. It's it's interesting because she kind of seems like she's forced to go work here again, right? Well, yeah. What else is she with Walt out of the picture? This is yeah. I mean, without a steady income, like. It seems like she was getting well-paid and well-treated here, so why not? Yeah. Plus, it's familiar. Well, well, I mean, the why not is cooking the books. She Uh, didn't want to have anything to do with that, but she kind of needs to. He kind of sworn off of that last season, didn't he? Yeah. Obviously not. I mean, mean, maybe he did, and he just went back on it. Yeah, well, Skylar's, you know, her... uh, the twins were gone, so yeah. his feet of clay reasserted himself. <laughs> She's got the twins. He's got the feet. What are you going to do? <laughs> yep. Uh, Walt calls Skyler to tell her that Junior is over at his place, and he says that he'll bring him home. And then Walt and Junior kind of talk about the whole situation. Uh, Junior's unhappy with it, and Walt, Walt uh, just jukes and jives here. You know, he's not going to tell him what's going on. He's not going to give him much in the way of support. This is just why I, I don't know. This Walt, is just why I was talking about last episode by taking the high road. Yeah. Walt is just making Skylar seem like a total bitch, mm-hmm. you know, because it, also he's not even just taking the high road. Like your mother has her reasons and they're good reasons. And maybe one day you'll understand. Yeah. Oh, there's two sides, to every story, including this one. And I have a side. And if you heard it, it'd probably be really awesome and bitching and you would hate your mother even more. I mean, that's the <laughs> subtext here. So uh-huh. yeah, Walt's being really a, a, a giant dick, uh, the way he's behaving here. Yeah. And one thing we didn't talk about in the dinner scene earlier is how Walt Jr. demands to be called Walt Jr. all of a sudden again. Yeah. Which is just Flynn, uh, a slap in the face to his mother. Yeah. I mean, you know, when everything's good, you don't want to be called that. And, you know, poor Junior, he's really caught because he knows this thing's fishy with his mom and she won't talk and his dad won't talk. But his dad won't even let. I thought he did a pretty I, it's despicable because he said all of the self-serving things about taking the high road, but none of the like comforted things like, hey, Junior, like he did say this is for a time. But it's like, you know, maybe if we give your mom some space. And I show that I can respect her boundaries and whatnot. And that, you know, pushing the limits with her is the wrong thing you want to do. I mean, I don't know. Even that makes her seem like a (laughs) giant bitch. But it's weird because I feel like Junior doesn't have a place to call home now. He doesn't feel like he's safe in his own home. His dad won't let him come live with him. It's, it's, It's rough. Yeah, and what could definitely be doing more to take him off of Skyler's back? Like you said, he could be... Trying to counsel his son not to be so angry at his mother, but he's, yeah. he really doesn't. On the other hand, he's quick to go mouthwash and cologne up. Yeah. He's muscular. Yeah, himself. I noticed that. He's trying to weasel his way back in. Yeah. It's pretty weasel. He's going to go pr- wheel his D into the White House and parade it around, see what happens. <laughs> uh, Saul meets with Jesse's parents and makes a ridiculously low cash offer for their house, less than half what they're asking. They laugh in his face until he mentions that there used to be a meth lab in the basement that they didn't disclose and threatens to prosecute on a felony charge of fraud. Uh, I love seeing Saul in action. I love it every time. Especially since the counselor was so clearly dismissive of him. Yeah. 
you know, and I thought that Saul got some good digs into where he's like, oh, let's just, you know, get straight to the point. He's like, oh, I get it. Flat rate clients. Like, <laughs> make, which is a great judo move. Yeah. He's to- actually trying to protect his clients from wasting time, and they're doing this. And I, yeah. Also, you can tell this guy is a real lawyer. Mm-hmm. And he's chagrined that he's even in the same room as a billboard late night. Yeah. Better call Saul, pow, pow kind of lawyer. And Saul's eating it up. Saul's like, yeah, I'm that guy. And then at the end, he's like, how about a counselor? Do you concur? <laughs> oh, so good. His knife so in good. the ribs there. So good. Yep. Uh, Walt and Junior get to the White House. And Walt pulls a pizza out of the car, escorts Junior to the door where Skyler's waiting. Uh, she won't let him in, even though he has dipping sticks. That's dip- I, that would dipping get him sticks. in the door with me. <laughs> you brought dipping sticks? Get in here. Yep. Stuff crush, shut up. Come in. Uh, so he heads out to the driveway, and he chucks the pizza onto the roof, and he drives off. <laughs> this, so this is a pizza, pizza of a legend. It really is, yeah. And I've, you know, going to that house when we were at Breaking Bad Fan Fest, and seeing the location, and just imagining being on set during this time, would, yeah. th- that was awesome. But the shot that I especially love, like, it's enough that Walt chucks his pizza on the roof and then drives off, but the shot from the roof... Where the pizza's in the, the pizza corner can, and you're yeah. down on Walt in his car. Uh-huh. It's just so priceless. And also... Like the visual flair in this show is just perfect. So I'd heard this in several uh, places, but it's also... They talk about it a lot on the uh, the the Insider podcast. That that was... They really sweated that. Because they're like, you know, we want it to go up there. We want the pizza to flop up there. We want it to come out of the box. <laughs> so you tough. can actually tell... And he's like, you know, it's like, are we going to have to get like IML involved? They actually, yeah. they did some test footage of a guy in a green, like a, a, a uh, like a green, what's a Charlie suit? Uh, green <laughs> what, man. The, the yeah. Z- Zeno suits or whatever. Yeah. Zintai. Yeah. Zintai. They, is that a Dragon Ball Z or are you? I don't know. You macrossing me? What the No, hell? I think they're Zintai suits. I'll look it up. Uh, anyway, but they're thinking about doing that with the green screen and like splicing it together. So this guy, you know, Walt would throw it up there and then they would digitally remove it. And then the guy would be on a ladder and he'd just like fling it on there. Uh, but they're like, well, let's let's see how many takes it takes. And I guess Brian did it first take. That's amazing. And then they had him do like several more and he mm-hmm. could not replicate it. So they're like, all right. <laughs> because you can actually see him kind of turn to see if he landed it. And, go, and he's oh like, oh, my God. He like does a double take like, wow. Which is fine. It works in the scene, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, they had the the pizza uh, baked without being sliced because obviously yeah. you couldn't ever do that with the sliced pizza; it would just go everywhere. Mm-hmm. And let I mean, some Albuquerque locals have said that that particular chain, I think it's Venezia's, hmm. uh, will 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 uh, give you no sliced pizza if you ask for it. And then they later, I mean, unless you're having a Breaking Bad party, I don't know why you'd ever want that. True, true, true. One other thing, and I, I doubt we'd have to tell Bald Move fans this, but just in case, um, I guess this scene has led to a lot of people, because you can go to the real White House. It's owned by a real lady, and she's she's I know she's got some people have a negative reputation and fans and because, like, uh, you know, they're protective of their space. And one of the reasons sure. they do that is because they've had people break into their backyard and jump in their pool and climb over their fences and destroy their landscaping and on like several occasions throw pizzas on their roof because it'd be a really hysterical photo don't do that 
Come on. Don't fucking do that. The lady did not get that much money for having her house in this thing and <laughs> yeah. is not getting any money now that it's all over. And she's, and she's not going to eat that pizza. You know, she's got grown children. She's not like elderly, but she's also doesn't yeah. need to be getting on a fucking ladder and scraping pizza off her roof. So don't be that asshole. Throw a pizza on your own roof. Take a picture. There you go. And then digitally shop it. Or that's the that's the big thing. If you want a picture of yourself from a White House with pizza on the roof, Photoshop. Sure. So, but don't throw a real goddamn pizza on these people's roofs. Public service announcement over. So we go to the next scene where Walt is face down on his carpet in his underwear. He's got popcorn stuck to his face. He must have went ham on those three or four (laughs) beers he had last night. I guess so, man. Lightweight. Because he's passed out. Oh, yeah. He's sleeping hard. And that's the thing. Like, It's such a weird kind of blend of like a rock star you know like you pass out in your own apartment <laughs> but you're face down into mm-hmm. a uh pre-packaged popcorn <laughs> with a few you know domestic beers yeah that was your party there was no cocaine there's no hard booze there's no heroin it's just a couple beers and a bag of pe- uh, popcorn and at that point, a high par- school teacher equivalent and it was just the kind of apartment was trashed yeah <laughs> yeah he went town on it <laughs> i know it's like i would love to have seen what happened the night before i think it's better that you don't see it honestly. yeah you're right i think it's better that you go into this situation and you're looking at it going what happened yeah how did this man get like this and why is this so funny i think this is one of the funniest scenes in breaking bad period yeah in my opinion because you know he, the phone rings it's skylar she's talking about how she's threatening a restraining order and all this stuff and he, he jumps up, he hits his head on the table, and then he gets over there and he tries to answer the phone. And then he's like, uh, restraining order, restrain this. And he grabs himself. <laughs> That's his go-to insult. It really is. And, like, I don't know. I don't, something about him doing it in tidy whities yeah, no. just makes it twice the re- as funny. The restrain this, grab this crotch. <laughs> With the like, popcorn on his face. It's perfect. Uh, it's really. Absolutely comedy gold. Really funny. Oh man! Anything else you want to say about this scene, or should we move on? No, I think you, I think you you hit it all. All right, Jesse pulls up to his parents' house as they're moving stuff out, and they're uh, as he walks past them, they're like, "Oh, Jesse can't go in there. The house is sold." He walks right past him, opens the front door, and he's like, "Yeah, I know. I bought it." And then he goes inside. Epic, badass, fatality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but- if you had any doubt as to whether or not Jesse was in fact the bad guy. He's embraced it. There it is. That was ice cold. It was. And, you know, we talked about this. Like, if you're Jesse's parents, what the hell do you do? What can you do? So they're actually the good guys in this situation, (laughs) but they're made out to be villains. And it's a really interesting mental judo that you only see this from Jesse's perspective. And it's like, yeah, suck on it. Suck on it, mom and dad. And Jake, who had your heart set on space camp, which I don't believe. No. Unless space camp is a euphemism for some kind of marijuana retreat. <laughs> no, this guy doesn't seem like he's at all, like, you know, into this shit that his parents are pushing him towards. Gotcha, yeah. That's the thing. Like, you see so much of Jesse's relationship with his family last season that this in this moment, I'm not totally high-fiving Jesse here. You know? Mm. Like, I understand why his parents are doing the things that they're doing. It's... It's not easy for them. They don't want to do it. They feel like they're doing the right thing. Right. Yeah, it's kind of somewhat satisfying to see Jesse get the house back. And after, you know, they kicked him out and they were kind of mean to him in places. It's kind of nice to see some revenge, but it's not all 
uh, I, I'm not super happy to see Jesse pull one over on them. No, and it's it's one of those things in retrospect, it's a lot, you know, because you, when you watch it in a moment, it's like, okay, this is kind of uh, Michael Corleone yeah. settling family business. But one of, the way, one of the reasons it's always kind of good to root for the bad guy in, like, Scarface and Godfather and stuff like that is that they're also usually getting the better of worse villains and mm-hmm. and grosser more vulgar criminals than themselves yeah. so this is like you're saying like i feel like these people have done try to do everything that they know how to do for jesse yeah. and he just keeps like he's stolen their silverware you know they got to <laughs> think about this younger brother that he could corrupt mm-hmm. and and be a bad influence on and you know we know he's got a heart of gold but on the other hand jesse the addict is kind of a dick so yeah, it is yeah, and he ethically, up, morally difficult to take a lot of pleasure from him boning his parents over. But you still kind of do. No, yeah. Like, I'm it not gonna still deny. works, even knowing that yeah. it still is like a dark chuckle. Definitely. Especially since the parents do it great. Like, their jaw hitting the the cement uh-huh. of the road is just like they did a really good job selling just the shock. Just like, oh, God, what is he doing? Oh, my God, this is not – I don't even have time to deal with you. <laughs> yeah, we've got to get our stuff out of here. I will say that one thing I think that they they did to make it easier to root for him is when Jesse comes back and he is looking healthy and he is being mm, yeah. completely reasonable, his dad is still keeping at arm's length. and Yep. Which I, still, that's what you probably do with a recovering addict. Like it's okay. forty-five days. You want to see how it goes. You yeah, know? I mean, look at Bubbles' arc in the wire. Like <laughs> what he had to go through before the door. He got the door unlocked. You know. Sure. I mean, it's it. It's not an easy road, and it's one that usually comes with bumps. And yeah. Y- you've got to imagine that. You know, Donald had the same sure. sort of problems with Jane. We know he. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, he said as much. Like, how many times did she swear? And every single time, it's your child that you saw born, saying with a straight face that this is it. This is the last time. Yeah. So when you kind of look at it through his eyes and see the path that she's taken, you got to imagine a similar one for Jesse and his parents. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's an interesting relationship, but sure. still pretty awesome. Yes, definitely. <laughs> he gets one high five, not two. Yeah. Uh, Mike's waiting outside the White House when Skylar and Junior are heading out the door. He goes to uh, work bugging the place. He's he's putting up cameras, he's putting up listening devices, all that. And he's just about done when Walt shows up with his stuff, and he's set on moving back in. He goes up to the front door, the locks have been changed. So he sneaks around the house and eventually finds his way in through the crawl space. Uh, Nice little callback here, you know, to this entrance that they have. Uh, under the house in the hot water room. Mm-hmm. Uh, another great, uh, great episode for Walt physical comedy. Him like yeah. crawling through all those cobwebs, and he gets out, and he's got the Looney Tune ladder moment where it falls mm-hmm. over and smacks him in the legs. Also, Jonathan Banks, you beautiful bastard. Hit. I forgot how much solid gold he was from the beginning because his reaction to that pizza. Where he's just walking by and he kind of sees it and he's like, uh. <laughs> "It's so great! It's so uh. great!" Yeah, and at this point, both Walt and Jesse are home again, right? Yeah. You got Jesse back in his house. You got Walt back in his. Now, we're waiting for the shitstorm that's inevitably going to happen when Skyler gets home. Well, we also, uh, we have an impending full-on shitstorm that's happening right now. What are you talking about? The the, the oh the axe wielder, yeah, yeah, the twin twin storms of the cousins coming in. Sure, no, he's he, Mike's about to leave when the cousins pull up and they get an axe out of the trunk and they head inside. And Mike calls Gus to tell him about the cousins' presence. And while showering, 
and the cousins are kind of walking in. They sit down on his bed, waiting for him to get out of the shower. They find the eyeball. Didn't think much yeah. of it. Um, you think that's because they don't feel judgment? They don't feel guilt? I don't know. They probably didn't understand the meaning of it, I'd imagine. It was probably more of like, why does this guy have an eyeball? Hmm. Than, oh, look at the this guilty eye looking at me. I don't think Walt feels that either. It's like all subconscious. Sure, yeah. Maybe they're going to wear it around a necklace. Okay. Like, this, is, this is going to be a badass. Except there'll be real eyes that they plucked out of people's heads <laughs> yeah. with the other end of that axe. Because Walt's eyes bronzed <laughs> or chromed. They'd go for chrome. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And they put them on the end of their boots. <laughs> <laughs> Eyeballs at the end of their boots. Yep. Uh, so as he's getting out of the shower, the cousins get a text, Poyos, and they head out. And then Walt comes outside and he sees the misplaced eye. Do you think when he was in his shower singing Horse of No Name, did you notice, like, the way he washed his face, it's like his whole head is covered in soap, and he's just, like, scrubbing his eye sockets with the soap. Uh-huh. I find that if, like, even, like, if my eyes are closed and, like, soap runs into them, that they will start burning within a few seconds. Are there people that can mm. just scour their, you know, eye sockets <laughs> with, with soap, with body wash, and, like, are fine with that? Maybe he's got, like, some residual pepper spray in there i find that my eyeballs don't the eyeball area doesn't need much deep cleansing honestly yeah yeah it's like i don't ever wash my nose that i can remember either it's just kind of like self-cleaning it's wiped you know i got itch and it's <laughs> it stays clean all right nose is the filthiest part of my body apparently probably uh yeah I, I don't know what's up with him rubbing his eyes with maybe maybe he uses that that baby shampoo ah, that burn free got the baby champ no tears yeah all right I guess uh, he would. He's got a baby in the house. Why would that's that's plausible? Yeah, he's got no hair. It's not like he has to do deep cleaning. Nope. Uh, so it's interesting to see Gus in the scenario that we see him in, because we know him as the Chicken Man, and the Chicken no. Man is not in the Chicken Shack at this point. He's in a la- he's in a giant industrial laundry facility. It seems. Yeah, he's got like some plans that he's looking over or something. Mm-hmm. You got to wonder what the heck's going on there. And he, we see his assistant, um, who actually gets the phone call from Mike. Relays the message. Man, this is the one. So I'm starting to feel jealousy for not covering season three live because I feel like the first two seasons were pretty straightforward. And I mean, I guess there's the overarching mystery of the black and white photos and all that stuff and where they they, they lead up to. And I bet that was fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is the, going into the modern age of Breaking Bad where everyone analyzed everything. Mm-hmm. And I would love to know what they thought about some of the the foreshadowing and some of the 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 scenes that you might not even get on first watch but when someone screenshots it on reddit and starts drawing ms paint red circles around it and Uh question mark question mark question mark exclamation point then you start talking you get you got something yeah you know you know what's weird for me is seeing alan steppenwall writing on his own blog instead of hit fix yeah like going to look up his review and what what is this shitty wordpress or Uh Whatever, whatever it is, like Google Publishing or something. Sure. I don't know. Blog is is he's on Blogger? Maybe Blogger. That sounds about right. Yeah. But no, yeah, he uh, uh, he spent a brief sojourn in just solo digital stuff. Yeah, it's strange to or see a hit that's picked him up. Um, so I was watching just a, a little bit of, I don't know, behind the scenes, N- not really behind the scenes, but just what I've been doing in my off time, watching DS Nine, mm-hmm. uh, Deep Space Nine, for the people who don't know. 
uh, saw Raymond Cruz. Raymond Cruz is in Deep Space Nine. Really? Tuco. Yeah. Does he play a? Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Okay, who's he play? <laughs> uh, he's in season seven. He plays a Federation, you know, a Starfleet soldier in the episode called "The Siege of AR 5 That's what I was talking about. The where thin, they're trying the to hold off the line, kind of. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It was interesting to see him younger, but still kind of talking like Tuco. Dude, he plays. He essentially plays. It's a great character. He's got that that same passion and flavor. He plays a very similar character. Like whether yeah. he's a military guy, like straight laced military guy, or a lunatic criminal, he brings that same kind of intensity to every role. Yeah, I wonder if that's what got him the job. Like I still see him. He uh, he's very minor role in the whole um, uh, Clear and Present Danger, the hmm. Tom Clancy adapt adaptation of the novel. The same had Harrison Ford in it. Yeah, he plays uh, Domingo Chavez, one of my all time favorite Tom Clancy characters, and he crushes the role. <laughs> and it still pisses me off that that was kind of the the movie that killed the 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 Harrison Ford era. Jack, Jack Harrison Ford's a terrible Jack Ryan. <laughs> but I liked Willem Dafoe as John Clark, and I liked Raymond Cruz as Domingo. And I, I wish they could have made a Rainbow Six or something just right then, because hmm. uh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Just a uh, just a little bit of outside the the show info. All right. Anyway, that's it for the recap. Uh, do we have any feedback to get to? Uh, no. Uh, which, no? No, no feedback? Okay. No feedback. Well, I mean, we, 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 st- I, we probably should have announced that we were doing this mm-hmm. like several weeks ago. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're ready, fire, aim uh, with a lot of this stuff. So it was like, <laughs> it's, I felt like I dropped the bomb on Facebook when, you know, people like, holy shit, I had no idea. So we <laughs> haven't really given people enough time to, to actually send in feedback. I got, well, we like, said last year we were going to do it in the summer. That's true. It should have been all queued up. Yeah, but, come uh, on, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're a procrastinator like I am, then uh, they're going to wait until I reminded them. And yeah. then I procrastinate about reminding them. And then we just released it. So what are you going to do? A procrastinator's dilemma. But yeah, if you do want to send uh, feedback in, do it at breakinggood at baldmove.com. Uh, please put in the episode number or title in the uh, the subject line of your email so I can keep all this straight. Or if you go on our forums, I've helpfully separated all of the uh, episodes for this season in its own thread on the forum so you can go post there. And I'm also gleaning stuff from that. Okay, cool. That's at forums.baldmove.com. Well, then I guess that's it for the episode. We have a little bit of spoiler stuff we want to talk about, yeah? Yeah, a little bit. After the music. So if you're into spoilers... Uh, Check that out. Stick around after the music. If not, we'll see you on the next episode. And we're back with the spoilers. What do we have? Uh, I had one little feedback that I thought was funny from Tom from Volkswagen. Uh, our old buddy on the forum, uh, after listening to their last podcast, he said, later in the series, we have teams white, purple, and even Panzer Gray. After listening to this, I think we should add Team Orange. All right. Is that that's for the, the people, the, the crawlers? No, that's the cousins. Oh, okay. Because they're all highly exposed orange filter. The other crawlers filter. don't get to be on Team Orange? Well, you know, I guess they would be. All right. I mean, there was one guy in orange work gloves and an orange shirt. Wouldn't it be funny? Because, like, I saw this really fun... It's a fairly famous image of like a Breaking Bad fighting game 
you know, like a Street okay. Fighter yeah, three Alpha. Mm-hmm. And it'd be funny if the cousins were playable characters that could tag in each other, and then their special was like summoning crawlers from the ground. <laughs> like <laughs> a bunch just of trip you. poor migrant farmers just come up and start crawling towards you and trip you. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Or maybe Santa Muerta comes up and summons them. Oh shit. Ooh, that got dark. And their weapons and axe, obviously. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so Let's talk about some foreshadowing. Okay. In this season, we got the famous fly episode. Yeah. Which is alternatively people's least favorite and most favorite episode. Uh-huh. Uh, and he is obsessed about contaminants. And I thought I saw a little bit of foreshadowing that personality quirk with him in the pool. Hmm. And, and I want to talk about this Band-Aid retrieval from the pool because I have a couple theories. I want to see which one you like best. Okay. One, this is just a subtle poking jab of humor from the writers at Walt because Walt is famous for throwing shit into his pool. Mm -hmm. And here it's like one floating band-aid. Got to get that the fuck out of here. Okay. I think that's in there, certainly. All right. Two, he's obsessed with contaminants because part of his ethical justification for cooking meth is I'm going to deliver a clean, safe product that performs as advertised and as the rest of his justification like his family crumbles along around around him he clings to that one thing i've got a contaminant free safe product god damn it and i'm not gonna have a fly in here contaminating things and this is manifesting in the band-aid obsession that pool was at least 99 percent <laughs> even with the band-aid even with the band-aid the least 99 percent pure <laughs> Uh, he just wanted it at 100. Okay. Yeah. And also that it's just a four straight up foreshadowing of him becoming obsessed with contaminants in general. Yeah. On the other hand, his fucking apartment is a disaster show <laughs> after his three beer bender. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, it might just be them poking fun, but I don't know. I I, I thought that was interesting. Um, you talked about the laundry mats. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. That, that's as far as you're going to go here? Well, bring it on! Bring it on back, brother. What do you got? You're not gonna. You're not gonna go to the guilty conscience thing. Did I say that before the podcast? Or is this your theory? No, I. I mean, I. I think that's there, right? Like the the reason the fly stuff happens is not because he's obsessed with contaminants. I mean, no, that's that's it, the that's it the, is that's the what do you call it, the opposite of subtext? That's the text. That's the sure, text. Yeah. Sure. Um, but the subtext there is that he has this guilty conscience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like, you know, there are many symbols of that throughout this season. The eye is one. Uh, uh, this okay. this clean pool, I feel like, is another. Okay. That, that's where I went with it anyway. All right. Uh, we talked about the... Well, we didn't talk about it. You slyly alluded to what's Gus doing in the laundromat. Uh, I tried not to talk about it. <laughs> uh, the laundromat, we know this is the first appearance of the site of the Super Lab. And yeah. as you pointed out, Gus has clearly got plans where he's he's laying this out as we speak. Yep. Pretty exciting. Groundbreaking moment. For sure. And it's something I didn't notice the first time through. I'm going to go ahead and say that was probably the coolest physical set we actually visited. I think so. Because yeah. it's like you get, you know, like it's neat to stand outside Jesse's house and Walt's house, but you don't get to, you know, set, uh, you don't get to actually go inside. Mm-hmm. But the long, I mean, that thing is a real facility. You can go in, you can see the place where the, you know, things swung open and that's where they would go down, except for that's not actually real, of course. Sure. But it's a real functional working set and there's actually people mm-hmm. they're doing to the, I mean, you felt really you, like you're just walking through there and they're totally. pushing carts and yep. you know, like the laundry cart that the Walt smuggles himself out in, like all that stuff is there and real. 
Yeah, and I got a picture of myself at the 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 dryer, the sure. big industrial dryer yeah, yeah, yeah. where they're cleaning stuff. I think the only thing cooler would be actually being on the super lab. Yeah, I which, mean, if that really did swing open and you really could go down. To no, the I'm just saying that just going to the sound stage where the they set, had the yeah, set yeah. would be. I think oh. that would probably be maybe the cooler set. I think so. Um, yeah. But you know, I mean, I got inside the RV. I mean, it wasn't the official RV, but it was pretty much official. And that wasn't mm-hmm. even as cool as being in the fucking laundromat. Yeah. Uh, also, first appearance of Jer- our, our buddy Jeremiah Batsui. That's right. Yeah, Victor. As Victor, mm-hmm. which we don't even know him uh, as a named character. And he did a Not lot yet. with a very small part on that. And he's, um, if you want to see him in just a really meaty role, uh, check out uh, Drunk Town's Finest. I'm not sure. You can get the yeah. trailer on Facebook. Yeah, it's good. I mean, he's part Native American, and that film is all about Native Americans uh, and their plight. And I think it's life on the res. Yeah. And it, it has a lot of really interesting themes in it that you don't see a lot of other places. Yeah. Uh, also, would Walt apologize to that cop in season five? Like, cause you could tell it cost Oof. him a lot to abase himself before this guy. Yeah. Hmm. Does he just have him killed? <laughs> That's a really good question. I, I don't know, man. Like how deep does he want to dig himself in season five? I feel like if he's... I mean, it's already kind of ridiculous that a meth manufacturer is starting this much shit with the cops. Yeah, you'd think he'd be yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, Give I guess he ticket, probably please, wasn't sir. rolling dirty, but still, like, you just don't want any kind of heat on you. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just angry. He loses his temper. He's frustrated. He's, I don't know, just having having a bad way. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is the the pizza. That eventually, you know, the fact that that pizza was unsliced as a prop mm-hmm. uh, was later retconned in a season four episode where Skinny Pete and Jesse and and uh, Badger are all sitting around, and That's Skinny right. Pete mentions this particular place. They don't slice the pizza because uh-huh. they say they pass the cost savings on to you. <laughs> you know, it's like that is uh, it's it's not like uh, what's that pizza chain papa murphy's where you actually get the raw pizza and you bake it like that's one thing but like just omitting that one step i thought Uh that was really funny that they're trying to retcon a economic reason that they wouldn't have that sliced pizza yeah how much does it shave off a pizza yeah it's like one and a half cent (laughs) and they pocket the half cent richard Pryor from Mm -hmm. superman three style uh that's really all i got there wasn't a a ton of uh uh, deep stuff. Uh, also, uh, after we recorded a podcast, uh, Shane reminded me that he had actually all of season three done of his Heisenberg Chronicles. So I'm including all those in our show notes. And if you're not familiar, ah, he's, cool. it's a it's a Tumblr he runs where he's collected for each episode a bunch of like fan art and like you know what what do you call that uh, commercial art? Uh, the, that's the kind of stuff key that art? I really. I mean, the, like key posters and stuff. Like yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and like just, you know, animated gifts of key scenes and gotcha. um, collections of like articles and things of interest for each episode. And there'll be one for every episode in season three and they'll be included in the show notes. It's Heisenberg Chronicles, uh, Labor Love that uh, that Shane's done for us all. So happy to uh, shine some light on that. All right. Is that it? That's it. We'll see you next time.